Dig into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. Wow, episode 20. Uh, I'm your host, Brian O'Grady, and with me, as always, my co-host, J.A., Justin Ayers. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, 20. That's that's a, that's a pretty big milestone for us. Yeah, it's just a little podcast that you and I have been doing every single week for 20 weeks now. Uh, so excited for the next 20 and next 120. Yeah, man, that's a uh, keep getting it done somehow across the world from each other, still figuring it out. And uh, it's been fun, man. So 20. That's cool. But uh, we got a great interview coming today. Excited about this one. This was uh, definitely a good idea on your part. I'm glad it worked out. We'll get there in a little bit. But uh, what do we got for the news to start this week? The news of this week is going to be focused around the crazy Seattle Mariners and Los Angeles Angels brawl. Over the weekend in Anaheim, so I watched John Boy Media did a 15-minute breakdown of this, so I'm pretty sure I'm an expert now. Uh, it all started on June 18th. Uh, Michael Lorenzen of the Angels hit Mariners Justin Upton in the head. After the game, Lorenzen's like, man, the ball slipped. He's like blaming the quality of the Major League Baseballs. Then over the weekend on the 25th, the Mariners uh, pitching coach came out to talk to Eric Swanson. He threw two straight balls at Mike Trout's head after the pitching coach came out to talk to him which Phil Nevin of the Angels was not too happy about. The Mariners ended up winning that game. And again, Phil Nevin was in the dugout cursing at the Mariners uh, manager, Scott Service. And then let's fast forward to Sunday. This is what the, all the, the stuff went down. So the Angels had started a guy named Andrew Wentz. Uh, he's a relief pitcher. He's never started a single game before. And people were kind of confused. They're like, why, why are we going with an opener here on Sunday uh, when the starter is warming up in the bullpen? Wentz in the first inning throws behind Julio Rodriguez. The next inning, Jesse Winker comes up. Hits him right in the butt. Winker's just confused. He's standing there like, what the heck was that? He then charges the Angels dugout by himself, a la Amir Garrett. And then Anthony Rendon comes out with this one hand that's in a cast. With the other hand, smushes him in the face. Like J.P. Crawford came over the top and was dropping haymakers on people. It was absolute chaos for like five minutes. Uh, and again, the John Boy media breakdown showed a, a clip, a lip reading of Andrew Wentz going to Winker saying, I had to hit you. And Winker's like, you had to hit me. It was fantastic. Uh, my favorite part of the whole brawl was the fact that uh, Adam Frazier just somehow forced gumped himself into another uh, massive brawl. He's just, they, I don't know what it is about, about our guy Frazier. He's just always in gigantic brawls. But uh, when you saw this over the weekend, like, what did you think about it? And like, what did you think about the lead up? Yeah. So I missed, I, 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 I saw the Lorenz and stuff. And then I kind of missed everything. And I woke up to a text from you, in, you know, in the morning, Japan time saying, did you see Winker, you know, go at the angels dugout like a mirror or whatever. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? What did I miss? And uh, so I, I caught up on all of it. And I was like, first I'm like, Holy shit. Like that's, yeah, that's a legit one right there. That is, that's no joke. That's not pushing and shoving. That's not, you know, your typical little benches clearing stuff. That was, that was real. And 
I don't I don't know, man. And I, I talked to I, I talked to Frazier a little bit about it, but uh it's the whole thing's just kind of weird to me. Like the you go back to Lorenzen, blame it on the balls. You know, I played with Lorenzen, very nice guy. I, I'm sure he didn't mean to hit Justin Upton in the head. Um, I think, and this happened to me the other game. I wore one, I got it. I kind of jumped and turned and I got it like the back of my tricep here. I got a nice bruise, but it was coming at my face. And, you know, I, I luckily was able to do that. But your first reaction as a hitter, like getting hit to me is part of the game. It doesn't feel good. It sucks. But I mean, shit happens. Like they're not perfect. They're going to miss. You hope it's not at your head. But first reaction when it's up around that area like I don't think you can control it it's just you're like I was so angry like immediately and I know he the guy who threw it wasn't trying to throw at my head you know but it does kind of take a minute for you to like calm down and you know get back into normal mode just from I think you're I don't know life flashing before your eyes or whatever so the Upton thing you know probably an accident, whatever. Fast forward, the Trout, you know, Mike Trout is obviously Mike Trout. The Angels are going to protect him at all costs. If anything happens to him or if anything goes near him, they're going to do their do their thing too. I don't think – the timing of the, the uh, mound visits or mound visit, a little sketchy. I will, I will admit to that, but – I don't think they were throwing a trout in that situation either. You know, trout, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, most, and he's, he's gotten, he's, he's so good and he's gotten so much better. At it. it doesn't even really matter anymore, but people try to get him out up and elevated. Cause that used to be a bigger hole. Now he just fucking hits everything. So it doesn't really matter, but they were probably just trying to go up and in and he was missing and, you know, trout, his reaction, like I said, is to be mad and kind of what the fuck and, you know, shit happens. So, you know, go to the next part. The angels couldn't really be any more obvious about what they were doing. You know, it's, they come out and say, no, we weren't doing that. But I mean, come on, like every, everybody in baseball knows what you were doing there. And, you pay the consequences. I mean, to me, though, the thing, and I think most players would agree with this, like you threw it at Rodriguez in the first inning, right? You missed. That's it. You had your chance. You missed. If you throw at him again the next pitch and you hit him, little bullshit, but that's it. Like you don't come back the next inning and drink and uh, drill winker. You know, that's, I, I, that's, I think most guys get and are still okay with how that kind of goes, but yeah, once you do it, move on, it's done. You can't just keep picking a guy to hit every inning or like, Oh, well we missed Rodriguez's hit and it only went behind him. So now we got to drill linker, you know, and that's to me coming from 
if your manager or whoever tells you to do that, like, and you're in that guy's shoes, Lance, you're going to do it. You're not going to not do it. So it's just a, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that the game's like that, but it's also just how it is. And I'm kind of okay with it, but Winker, man, I mean, being pissed, obviously somebody had to say something to him. I don't know if it was Rendon or if it was Nevin or if something had to come from that dugout that set him off to make him go that way. Cause he wasn't immediately, you know, doing that. He kind of was, yeah, it really like it, it. So something came from that dugout that really fired him up and then, what happens, what happens, happens. And the other, you know, the one thing that stood out to me too, and it, as crazy as it is, it was the one umpire, like trying to hold Winker and keep him away, which in my opinion is not good. I don't think the umps are trying to stop it from happening, but you can't be putting your hands on a guy either. I, I don't, I think that's bad for, for everybody if that's kind of the way that's going. So, um, that was a little strange to see, in my opinion. But yeah, man. And then once once it happened, I mean, it was it was no joke. You know, they were Rendon shoved them in the face or whatever with the open hand, and it's uh, it's kind of similar to what happened with the bad one we had in in High A, where it happened on the like at the other team's dugout. So like, your first instinct getting over there is like, oh shit, you know, this is. First of all, your 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 guy is like way outnumbered to start. So you're like, gotta get over there. And then yeah, man, it was uh I definitely saw some punches being thrown. You know, I don't know, I didn't see like the aftermath of people, you know, if they got hit and, and whatnot. But man, that was uh when you said that to me, like first thought was, you know, probably just another baseball thing. Second thought was like, oh shit, this is this this was happening. And uh calm down, you know, and then Iglesias throwing the stuff on the field. It was just like a weird, I don't know. It was, it was weird at the end, but they, you play a team like, you know, that much in that it's short of time. Definitely things kind of just naturally get heated, but they're protecting, they're protecting trout, but it's, I'm okay with, how the game polices itself. But like I said, you get one shot. And if you, you miss, oh, well, that's move on. That, in my opinion, and I think that's the vast majority of players' opinion. You don't, you can't just keep trying and yeah. end rent. Sorry. <laughs> no, I said a couple of things. You mentioned the umpire trying to hold Winker back. I think a, a significant portion of the whole blame kind of has to fall on the home plate umpire. His name's John Bacon. He's a replacement AAA umpire because I think the normal umpire was on vacation or something. And for him to issue only a warning after Rodriguez got thrown behind, like you had to know that there was something coming with the lead up the night before with, with Trout and everything else. I think the, the umpire said he wasn't aware of, every, of anything that happened the night before and that didn't factor into his decision to only issue a warning. It's like, dude, come on, you know, have, have a little more awareness in that kind of situation. Uh, and also the Mariners, I look, I, I looked and they have not retaliated at all this year. So I, I found a status says Mariners batters have now been hit by 27 pitches from the AL West this year. And the AL West opponents have only been hit by five pitches by the Mariners. So 
they don't retaliate. Uh, and yeah, it just, it was crazy to watch like the, the second wave of the fight happen when guys are pouring in from the bullpen. Um, it, it had like calmed down and then, you know, 30 seconds later, it's picking back up again. <laughs> it's my favorite part of baseball brawls. Uh, and you're right. Rossiel Iglesias, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the suspensions in a minute, but he, in, during the fight was trying to be a peacemaker. And then he somehow got ejected. Like he was sitting in the dugout and one of the coaches was like, Hey man, you, you got tossed. He's like, for what? And then he throws the like bucket of sunflower seeds, the bucket of gum. You hurled it like 30 feet into the infield. Uh, so they had to have like guys come pick the little pieces of gum up, but yeah, it was crazy. And it's uh Winker and Iglesias played with each other for a few years in Cincinnati. So I'm sure he was trying to, yeah. And same with Lorenzen and Winker. Like I'm sure they were trying to diffuse some of that situation, but yeah, what a, what a spectacle for real. So the other thing when we talk about this angels and manners brawl is that the suspensions were handed down this week. And I'm just going to run through them really quickly. Phil Nevin, the manager of the Angels, got 10 games. Jesse Winker got seven. J.P. Crawford, Rendome, and Dom Chidi, who I remember that name because he was the Orioles bullpen coach for a while. He's, he's in Anaheim. He got, they all got five games. Uh, Wance, the, the starter that you know, started the whole thing, and Ryan DePera got three games. And then Julio Rodriguez, Rocio Iglesias, the guy that threw all the crap on the field, Ray Montgomery, Manny Del Campo got two, and then Bill Hasselman got one game. But I, I think it was, uh, I want to say Bob Nightingale tweeted out that there were so many suspensions to like active everyday Seattle Mariners that they're allowed to stagger them, which I didn't know that was a thing that you could do because it's like three of their everyday guys. And the Angels uh, are permitted to stagger their coaching staff's uh, suspensions, but the coaches can't appeal, which again, news to me when it comes to all this stuff. But yeah, 10 games for Phil Nevin. That's what really stood out to me. That's a long time for a manager to be out. Um, when you saw like the breakdown of suspensions and everything, like, did anything kind of stand out to you? Not really, because I know, I know from major league baseball's perspective, what they're doing is they're, is they're saying that, you know, they obviously concluded Nevin had this, this guy start the game with this intention to throw at somebody. So they're coming down hardest on him as they deem him as the, you know, the ringleader and the real, you know, source of why this started. So, you know, right or wrong, it is what it is. That's uh, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't too, too shocked about that. I think it just kind of comes with the territory. I didn't see uh, Scott services name in any of this, which is surprising because when you go back that and you watch surprising. some of the video of the brawls, he was on the ground, like mucking it up with some guys. And like when he came out from underneath the pile, he looked all disheveled and his jersey was all untucked and he had to like take a breather off to the side at one point. So shout out Scott Service. I love a guy that's not afraid to, to get in there and, you know, like muck it up with the guys a little bit in, in the middle of a brawl as the manager. So I just want to give a shout out to him. That's crazy that he didn't get anything at all. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, I mean, listen there's really like one rule on every team. And it's if something like that happens, you better be over there with your guys. If you're like off to the side, you're going to be in some trouble, some kangaroo, some kangaroo court trouble after that. So, you know, he got in there and was, uh, was, was showing his players that he has their back. Good for, good for him. Exactly. There's another wrinkle to this whole thing as if there couldn't already be enough wrinkles to this brawl with there's a hilarious story on Twitter that I texted you this thread. So there's a Mariners fan on Twitter uh, at Sophie ballgame and she ordered a pizza on DoorDash and she really wanted it 
uh, to get to Jesse Winker during the middle of the game, just as like a, Hey man, we got your back. We're thinking of you. So she put the order in on DoorDash. She lives in Arkansas. I think it was picked up by a driver whose name is Simran Jeet. He successfully picked up the pizza and somehow made it through stadium security, handed it to the security guys. And they delivered it to Winker during the sixth inning when he was just in the clubhouse chilling. And on the Twitter thread, it's hilarious. You're following her because it's in real time. It's like, all right, he picked it up. He's at the gate. It got there. And then Jesse Winker DM'd her back and was just like, hey, thanks. I got the pizza. I appreciate it, which I thought was the coolest move by him ever. (laughs) But like, have you ever heard of like food being ordered, outside food being ordered to a stadium? Did you know that that was a possibility that you could do that? Oh, yeah, you can make that happen. You can definitely make that happen. But usually, you know, you have clubhouse personnel who can handle getting the security or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe that happened. Maybe Winker got a message from her, saw something and, and you know, told one of the clubhouse guys that, that it was going on. But that's that's cool, man. I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the pizza pizza was good. And Jesse's a good dude. Doesn't surprise me at all that he uh, thanked her for it. But that is. It's pretty funny. And I don't know if you saw that when they went back home the first game, they gave Winker like a standing ovation back in, in Seattle well, when he first stepped to the plate. I did see that. Yeah, they're playing the Orioles. Uh, shout out our guy also, C. Trent Rosecrans uh, from The Athletic. He was uh, he was tweeting about this, and he like confirmed like to the girl that, you know, Winker got the pizza, uh, which I which is weird because like he's the Reds athletic guy, but he our guy C. Trent Rosecrans was – was reporting on on the pizza saga so i thought that was very funny <laughs> love that he's all over i love it all right uh so that was kind of our breakdown of the of the mariners and angels brawl we just have a couple more things for you guys uh we're going to change the name of this segment it's now going to be called the joe musgrove inaugural guest performance of the week just because i think joe's received the most uh you know guest performance of the week nominations so far uh but i wanted to give it to somebody else this week and i want to cast a little shine to our guy eric hosmer because last week he had a two homer week. You know, he has six homers on the year right now. I, I did have a question though, because like our guy Haas had this red hot April. I think he was batting close to 400. You know, the numbers have come back down to earth a little bit, but like, where do you see his numbers being at for the rest of the year? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to hit 400. Just sorry. It's not going to happen today. It's a different, different era, different game. Not going to happen. Um, but Haas can swing it. He's going to get hot again. I'm sure he's going to be right in line with his, you know, normal, normal year. I think he's going to go on a little bit higher side. I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit you with a, with a 287 for the year. And he's going to finish with 22 home runs. No, I take that back. 25 homers. Yes. We, yeah. He's he's going to get hot and he's going to roll and he's got, you know, he's got a, he's got a son on the way. So when dad's strength kicks in, he's going to go on a, on a roll. That's all I'm saying. Got you, Haas. He did say that dad's strength was real. So, yeah, I can't wait to see the second half surge from our guy Hosmer. Um, I love that. All right, so uh, another segment name change for this week. Uh, normally we have the fudged up moment of the week. We're going to change that this week, and it's going to be the fudging awesome moment of the week. So, uh, Brian, would you like to set that up? Yeah, presented by our sponsor, the original Fudge Kitchen. That is Fudge Kitchens with an S.com, the original Fudge Kitchen. Serve fudge and other sweet treats. Shipping all over the country. It's so good. I can't – every time I go on their Instagram, I want to get it shipped to, to Japan, but I don't I don't think that, that that works quite as well. But as soon as the offseason comes, I'm doing it. 
for our Philly and Jersey Shore people, they have locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Ocean City, and Stone Harbor. Go check them out. That is the original Fudge Kitchen, and you can find them at fudgekitchenswithans.com. So the fudging awesome moment of the week this week, over the weekend before the White Sox and Orioles game, there was a seven-year-old White Sox fan named Bo Dowling, and he was honored, and it was a very touching moment. So Bo was diagnosed with high-risk neuroblastoma as a toddler. And he, he battled through stem cell transplants, multiple rounds of chemo, radiation, immunotherapy. Uh, he was recently diagnosed with thyroid cancer for the second time, and he recently underwent surgery for it again. But before the game, they had this very cool moment where both the Orioles and White Sox lined up on each of the first and third baselines. And Bo got, was able to hit his home run, run around the bases, get high fives from both members of the team. Uh, and at the end of it all, there was a foundation that awarded his family a $10,000 check to help cover medical expenses. It was just a very awesome, touching moment. Um, and it's something that I wanted to you know, shout out a little bit. So uh, the video, if you haven't seen it, check it out on, on Twitter or wherever you go. But it, it was very, very cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Definitely a good name change, a good moment to, to highlight those two teams doing that. We used to do it uh, in Pensacola in double a, you know, stories like that. And it's to see the kids and how happy they are. And, you know, just kind of know a little bit of the stories and the, the tough times that they've gone through. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really is. It puts things in perspective and good on those teams for doing that. And I'm, I'm sure that that's something that uh, Bo will never, never forget. And his family will never forget. It was, it was very, very cool. Trey Mancini from the Orioles got to go up and talk to him for a minute because yeah. Trey's a, a cancer survivor himself. So it, it was just a fantastic moment over the weekend. Um, so last but not yeah. least for this week, we're going to end with a top five. But first, we have to clean up last week's top five for the best uh, baseball movies. And Brian uh, is on a hot streak right now. He's won again. Um, so go head over to Breaking Bats Pod on Instagram each Friday to vote in our poll. I don't know what's going on. You're just red hot when it comes to, to picking these things right now. I know the people. I know what the people think. That's, that's, that's it, man. Sandlot. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what it came to. Sandlot, come on, man. Come on. I know. It's terrible. I need, I need to go back and rewatch that. I haven't seen it in like 15 years, and I can't even uh. tell you what the plot of the movie is. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming there's a Sandlot involved somewhere, but yeah, it's, it's all I got. So yeah, please feel free to continue to roast me on, on, you know, Instagram and TikTok. But this week, I feel good about this one. We're going to do the top five best uniforms in baseball. So this one, it's, it's going to go like specific uniforms. So like, you know, you pick it instead of just saying like, I like this team's uniforms. You have to kind of say like, I like the, this team's alternate, this team's home. Uh, And we can kind of describe why we like them. So I will go first Uh, five through one. Number five is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers navy blue and yellow alternates. You got the you got the two colored hat. You got the glove on the hat. The two colors just look really really good together. So I, I love those as number five. Number four, I'm going to go hometown Washington Nationals City Connect cherry blossom uniforms. The little details, like if you look at like the the jersey, it's got like there's just all these little colors in there, and the pink and the gray look awesome together. So that is number four. Number three. We're going to the Seattle Mariners. We're going to do the Northwest Green Friday home uniforms. So I actually bought a jersey that is the Northwest Green. That's why I love it so much. It's like a throwback to the 90s, the great Mariners teams. Again, it's it's a great color. Number two, I'm going to go Philadelphia Phillies powder blue throwbacks. Have to have 
some powder blue in here because I think powder blue is the best uniform color out there. So much history of these. I think they used to be the Phillies road unis back in like the 70s and 80s. So that is number two. And my number one best uniform in baseball, it might, it might be kind of like a safe pick, but it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals home whites. I'm going birds on bat, I just clean, iconic. You think back, they've had that same uniform, I think almost the entire time they've been a franchise. So got to go with the Cardinals. So that is my five through one. Uh, what, what do you think? That's pretty good right there. And we have one that is, that is the same. Uh, my five through one, starting actually with the Padres. I kind of have two of the Padres. The, the home pinstripes, pinstripes, the white with the, the brown pinstripes, the brown and yellow. I just love it, man. I think it's such a cool look. I think it's different. It's just so different. Like, no other team looks like that. So, I was – I thought it was really cool when they changed back to that color scheme away from the white and blue because it's – you know, plenty of other teams have the white and blue. It's boring. So that, and as well as the military uh, Sunday camo jerseys, I think everyone can agree those ones are, are pretty cool. And that Sunday is really awesome when they have, uh, I believe it's Marines there um, for that game. But those, that's uh, number five. Number four, it's kind of hurts to say, but it's kind of like you with the Cardinals. It's the Yankees pinstripes, classic, you know, everybody knows what that is. I think you got you to gotta put some respect on that. And that's, that's number four for me. Uh, number three, and here's the same, the, the one that we had to say in the Phillies powder blue. I mean, I'm from Philly, but that, that Jersey is just fucking awesome. Sorry. The powder blue is phenomenal. There's other powder blues that are, that are good too. The Jays come to mind. Um, but Phillies powder blue, love it. And then number two was very close to being my number one, the Mets black jerseys. I fought, I love the Mets black jerseys. I think Anytime a team has like an alternate color and it's, they use the black. I just think it looks, I, lo I think it looks so cool. I think it looks badass. And, you know, there's not really like black in that scheme, but you put that they're they're blue and orange on, on the black Jersey, man. I just think it looks, it looks really good. Um, and then number one for me, man, I love the throwback rays, devil rays jerseys, the white with the, the purple and the green, man. I think those, I think they just wore them the other day, actually. I think I think I saw a picture of on Josh's Instagram or something with him in it actually. But yeah, those I think they they look phenomenal. They're just clean. I wish they were just still the devil rays, to be honest. I think that that all those look look phenomenal. But those are my five. What do you got? I like that. Yeah, I didn't even think about the devil rays. Yeah, growing up, it was just weird that like, you know, they were the devil rays for so long. They had like the green hats and stuff, and I, that was what I remember them as. And then to go to, you know, yeah. to drop the devil part. I don't know. It's like, I don't even know what a devil Ray is, but it just, it made sense as a team name. So I kind of missed that. Yeah. I, I should have had that on there. Um, there's a lot that I like, I should have had on here that like, I didn't like a lot of the city connect uniforms are really cool. Like the Rockies with the mountains on them. Like we, we probably could have done a, a top five on city connect uniforms, but um, the honorable mentions for this, they could go on forever. Yeah, there's a lot of cool jerseys for sure. I, I love a lot of the uh, – and it, it depends. You know, I'm sure when this gets put out on TikTok or whatever, that Dodger fans are going to be like, how do you not have the fucking Dodgers on there? And you know what? They're nice, but I don't know. I, I like uh, – I, I appreciate the old school and the, the clean, you know, standard of, of some of those jerseys, but I also like – 
the uh, the different alternate kind of jerseys, like the I like the uh, the White Sox one that says what you know. I think it says socks just across the chest, and it's like the red, white, and blue one. I think it's the one that Chris Sale cut to pieces that one year. Um, yep, you know things like that. Oakland, Oakland's got some good ones. The green and yellow. I think they have a black one too. That was that's pretty cool. But yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of cool ones. I wish the MLB in general would mix the jerseys up more. I think that would be cool if they, if they did. I know when uh, in 19, when I was with the Reds, it was some sort of anniversary. I can't remember what year, but it was like a big deal. It was like the 75th anniversary, like the hundred year anniversary. I forget. It was, it was something, I think it was hundred year actually, but yeah, they were rolling out all those jerseys that they wore throughout the years. And man, some of these jerseys, they were fucking awesome. We, they'd be standing in the locker room like, this is fucking cool. Yeah, the sleeveless jerseys were there. We had other, you know, the like vests that we wore shirts underneath, but there were some really cool ones. I wish teams would do that more and just kind of maybe not even just an alternate, just roll through, you know, we're going to wear whatever year it was. Is I, I think I think that's cool. Yeah. Oakland, that might have been, if this was a top 10, I mean, I don't know. I feel bad because you're right. The all whites, the white cleats, the white everything, the A's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's iconic. So, yeah, I probably should have had something like that in there. Or even just the Kelly Greens. Uh, the Kelly the Green Kelly A's are just, I don't know. That's that's really, really cool. Uh, There's a lot of good ones, for sure. But I think we picked. I think we picked some good ones. We'll see what we'll see what the people think about our picks. Because I just be you again. Yeah, just the default default winner. <laughs> We'll see what the TikTok comments say about our <laughs> our jersey picks. No Yankees. I go the Yank. The Yankees fans are going to be on my side. I didn't even think of that. I should have planned that. But now they're going to be on my side. Maybe they'll like me now. Maybe they'll be like, the oh yeah, I remember there. that guy. Dude, the Mets blacks are awesome. There but I digress. Uh, interview for this week. Interview for this week, man. Just got it done. Josh Lowe, Ray's outfielder. It was a it was a very good one. Nice, uh, nice and insightful on, on some uh, some of the things he's he's been going through. Funny to have you know after having Nathaniel on here, get the little brother on on here. Um, man, Josh, Josh is a stud. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's a really really good baseball player. Uh, tons of tools. Young. I mean, just a. Uh, just built to be a baseball player, man. And uh, I think, you know, he has a really good opportunity right now. Excuse me, because, uh, you know, Kiermaier, Kiermaier and Marco both both hurt. Um, you know, he's going to have a lot of opportunities out there. And I think the more comfortable that he gets, it's just a matter of time until he really starts to play, I mean, really well. Uh, so I'm excited to, to, to watch and keep checking in on him. Great dude, too. So. I know, I know, uh, he was actually your idea. So, although I obviously know, but he was your idea. So I got to give you the props for that one. It was a very good idea. It's yeah. Like I said, we, we had Nathaniel on and just like learned about the, the brother relationship growing up. It was very funny. You know, it, we just have to have every, now we've completed the low, the lowdown. We've gotten the lowdown from both lows. Now, uh, now I guess we have to get the, we have to get Brandon Lau on. I think that might be the next logical progression. Is their long lost not brother brother Brandon Lau? That might Something be that like might well. be a good idea. 
I'll have to I'll have to check in with old Bilal and see what we got going on. But uh, yeah, with uh, you know, with all that, we'll just uh, we'll send you over there this week's interview. Raise outfielder Josh Lowe. And our interview for this week, Rays outfielder Josh Lowe. We already had his older brother on here, Nate, but we had to get Josh on here. Josh, what's going on, dude? How are we doing, guys? How are we doing? Dude, I can't believe it's so funny to see you again. Now, big leaguer, Josh. I haven't seen you since I, you know, I think we I think I said congrats when that happened, but I haven't seen you since you were officially big league, Josh. So that's awesome. Congrats again. Thank you. But we have to, we've done this with, I think what, he's the third now, J.A., Nate, Dietrich. I think he's the third Port Charlotte alt-site alum to be on here and talk about it. So we have to do it real fast. I've talked about it a bunch, but what do you remember from the old 2020 COVID alt-site raise? Um, I remember a lot. I remember pretty much what was it? 60 days of just grinding in the heat. <laughs> um, I know we all talked about it. I know my brother talked about it on the podcast too, but like that was honestly some of the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. Despite, despite it being a hundred degrees every single day, we went out there. Um, even like, even when I was in AAA this year, a little bit, I was talking to Brady Williams, who was pretty much our manager there. He was like, man, that was still some of the most fun. Like I've ever had playing baseball. Cause how many times can you go out on the field in a professional atmosphere and play shirts and skins, like playing baseball, you know, and like, not to, not to mention that everybody out there is, is a big leader or like will be a big leader one day. And like, we'll be able to look back at it all and say how good that team really like could have been if we would have played a full season. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. Like that was a unique experience and I know everybody there had fun and yeah, we killed it. So yeah, you put that pretty good. That was a uh, what a wild time. I hope no one ever has to do something like that again. I hope normal baseball is always being played. But yes, we will. Uh, I'll never forget that for sure. I'll never forget that time. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of a lot of good times. So yeah, yeah, because that I hadn't met you. You were hurt, right? Spring training before, or you hadn't been to? Yeah, so that was yeah when I first met you. Yeah, that was that was the first time I was back to playing baseball stuff again and probably eight months or so. So, uh, I mean, the whole COVID thing for me was like a little blessing in disguise. Like I didn't miss any yeah. time at all after my surgery, but uh, yeah, that was the first time we hung out. Hey, this is actually a pretty interesting question because there's been a lot of talk about this. Do you think you got more like you got better faster from doing that every day and facing those guys than you would have from playing the season wherever. I mean, I don't know if you would have been in high A or double A at that point, or uh, you think it was it, it held you back because of because of that. I th I think it helped tremendously. Honestly, um, one there was no pressure of going out and trying to post numbers for your season. Um, and two, I mean, we were facing the best pitching prospects that we had in our org or pitchers that were ended up in the big leagues, you know, the rest of the season on a, a world series roster. 
Um, so, yeah, I think it helped a lot. Yeah, dude, that was uh, – you look back at all the pitchers that were there now, and it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, what, two – Two of our guys in the rotation right now. Pause um, and McClanahan. <laughs> pause and McClanahan. Yeah. I mean, one guy's leading the the league in strikeouts. <laughs> and he's and he's got control of four pitches now, where at the outside it was probably just, you know, fastball slider and he'd mix in a little curveball. His changeup really wasn't there yet. But I mean, yeah. And then Boz just being Shane Boz and then everybody else. So yeah, I mean, yep. definitely able to uh compete against the best and really learn how good you're going to be. No, that's so funny. When, uh, when Nathaniel was on, he was saying that like at the time you guys had talked about, like if you were to play a full 140 game international league schedule, I think he said 138 and two. Does that, does that sound about right? If you guys were, uh, if the Rays alt site had to compete. Yeah, I think uh, maybe 139 and one and the one loss is probably <laughs> just from uh the game where we're just super hungover after clinching the playoffs. <laughs> so um, I think we would have won a lot of baseball games and broken every single record ever made. <laughs> no doubt, dude. Yeah. It's no doubt about it. <laughs> when, uh, so I, I love when I love having your brother on it. Cause I got to learn all about kind of like the, the brother rivalry that you guys had growing up and just like the, the sweet backyard battles. Um, how do you think that growing up with Nathaniel kind of like helped you become a better athlete? Um, I think always having a, uh, older brother around, um, really kind of pushed me to, you know, just be more athletic. Um, you know, you think about young kids growing up, the younger ones, obviously gonna, you know, lack behind a little bit. So you kind of gotta, you gotta bring it every day. So being around him, I, I would have to, I would have to bring it and use my athleticism to try and beat him out if we we're doing anything. Um, he was always stronger than I was. And I know he was, he was talking about that. I was always a quicker one. So I had to, you know, kind of learn how to use that to my advantage. And I, I did there. Um, thanks to my uncle one day who, who taught me that it was, you know, I could, I could sneak up on him and, and hit him real quick and run away. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it was just, you know, being around him, he was, like I said, bigger and faster and I, I, at first. And then I just had to learn how to kind of go about all that. Backyard football dynamic though. Like how did you handle being held on every single play by him? Did that, did that factor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, my dad was always, you know, pretty much the quarterback and ref and I, I'd be like, he's holding me just you, like, you gotta watch. I'm telling you every single time, there's no reason why he should be this close to me. So uh, yeah, I mean, oh you gotta kind of let, let the ref know what's going on and, Got to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, That's great. Just, dude, the old Seattle Seahawks hold on on every play. They don't call it on every play. So, yeah, you might as well. No. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> was, uh, was there a time, though, that you thought that football might be your thing? I did. Um, growing up, me and uh, one of my best friends, we'd always – I was a quarterback, and one of my best friends' name is Patrick. Um, he'd be the wide receiver, and I'd just throw it as far as I could. And he'd run under and catch it. And so we kind of had that, that vision of playing football together one day at a, at a pretty high level. Um, then high school football came around and I realized that I was really good at throwing the ball to the other team. <laughs> and uh, I could throw it really far, but it didn't necessarily mean that our guys were going to catch it the whole time. Um, 
and then when everybody you know kept growing and getting bigger and I just kept getting taller and didn't really put any weight on I was like man I don't I don't know if I can compete with these guys anymore um and then baseball kind of took off for me so that's that's kind of how my story went um in terms of what I thought I was going to play growing up was there an FSU component? Because I think I read that you committed to go to FSU. And was there talks of like trying to be a dual sport, kind of like a Deion Sanders-esque kind of thing at the time? Uh, not really. Like I said, I, I wasn't I wasn't built physically enough uh, for that. I I probably had the speed for it, but um, you know, being coming out of high school, 6'4", 180, that was no match for those guys that are. 230 240 plus on defense getting ready to take my head off um so i i would have loved it but i don't i don't think i was physically mature enough for it one thing i've always heard and just uh you know always read is that like guys who play multiple sports growing up are just like so much better like they're so much better off than guys that only focus on baseball would you kind of attribute your multi-sport kind of growing up to how much success you've had you know transitioning to baseball yeah, I think it allows you to really be an athlete more. Um, for example, like go and watch other guys who try and throw out the first pitch of a baseball game. Like they look like they've literally <laughs> never played catch before. <laughs> like no offense to any of those guys, but just the whole throwing motion, like I don't know what it is. It looks like it would take them all a long time to go and learn how to throw a baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I think playing multiple sports, like kind of, teaches you how to use your body at a young age um you know just one of the things that um our outfield first base coach chris prieto preaches is just go out there and be an athlete like when you're trying to catch the ball um i think playing football playing wide receiver i just kind of would, would run and catch the ball and you know that kind of translates to playing the outfield just go out there and get it so i think that helped for sure love that brian what can you say about playing multiple sports growing up I absolutely agree. I think uh, it's, I mean, it's a little different nowadays and, and I think playing, you know, I played, I almost played basketball in college too, but I knew baseball was probably my shot. So I thought that would be the time to, to cut basketball out, but I played football up until high school and, and cut that out then. And I think, yeah, being, that's why I love basketball because it kept me being an athlete. And back then, you know, I was, a much skinnier center fielder, leadoff guy flying around, not the the uh, guy I am today. But I think, yeah, it just makes you an athlete and makes you more coordinated with everything. And I totally agree, Josh, with – I think you put uh, most baseball players, most professional baseball players in another sport, and they were either, like, really good at football or basketball or whatever it was, or they're, like – competent out there and look like yeah. an athlete doing whatever sport that is. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of really good athletes in other sports cannot throw a baseball or swing <laughs> a bat for whatever reason. Like you watch, you see that Giannis trying to hit off a tee at the Yankees clubhouse the one day, dude, he can't even like swing the bat. And that guy is, I mean, what are like a freak athlete that dude is, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's funny how baseball players, it's, it's just different, but yeah, being, uh, being an athlete and playing more, more than one sport, I think it just makes you more well-rounded and more athletic overall, without a doubt. I love that. I would have loved to have seen Brian on the Rutgers men's basketball team. What, what do you think you would have been, would you have been a headband guy, a shooting sleeve guy? Like what, what do you think you would have been as the, as the white guy on the team? 
I would have had to been a headband guy, right? I feel like that would have been a, a good fit for me. But at the time, I really was. I was a very good basketball player in high school. But yeah, I was like 175 pounds and could jump through the roof back then. Now, you know, 220, 225 doesn't jump as well as 175, 108 pounds and 18 years old does. But, uh, you know, the, the baseball coach's son was also the basketball coach. My baseball coach's son was the basketball coach at Rutgers at the time. So they were like, we want you to do both. And I was like, I don't think I have a future in basketball after, after college. So uh, let's just, let's, let's try baseball. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> Uh, Josh, I went back and I was looking at some old video of you hitting, you had a, a pretty big leg kick back in the day. Uh, and you know, contrast that to now where I think it's more, you know, less pronounced, like when did you decide to drop that? And what have you kind of found to be the best approach for you? Um, yeah, I remember in high school and then pretty much my first year of pro ball, the whole GCL and rookie ball thing. Um, my leg kick was up there. <laughs> I, <laughs> actually i was i was going through my my camera the other day and i found a video of where i mean it was pretty much like i was almost pitching but like like if you can think of like a pitcher's wind up like that's how high my leg kick was um i started to realize really quick that uh there's not a whole lot of adjustability in that swing um in terms of off-speed pitches you know you can be on time for a fastball but being able to hold that same hype uh, on off-speed pitch is not really going to work out very well. Um, so for me, being a, a long-levered guy, I think just the more simple I am with my approach, uh, my swing, my stride, um, just keeping it all under control is is where I've really found success um, going forward. And you know, just trying to be as consistent as I can with all of that every day is what really helps me succeed. Yeah, it's definitely – once you get the pro ball, I mean, especially for you coming from high school, I can't even imagine. If I went from high school to pro ball, I would have – I don't know if I would have ever hit the ball, honestly. But for you doing that, yeah, that's got to be a pretty big difference in realization pretty quick. But we said before we were recording on here, you know, you said after you got sent down and you, and, uh, you came back – that it's been going much better. And so what, you know, when you went down that first time, was there something that you were like, okay, I got to make this adjustment for when I go back to have the type of success I want to have, or was it just, you know, I got, I got my tastes. I get it a little bit more when I get back, I'll be more prepared for it. Yeah. I think there was a, there's a couple of factors really. Um, First of all, I, I didn't even know I was going to be on the – I was optioned out of spring training. Okay. I was in Durham, and then we flew to Nashville with the team. And we landed in Nashville at, I don't know, 1030 at night um, before opening day. And I'm on Twitter about to get on the bus, and I just see that we traded Meadows. And I'm like, oh. And I see Brady turn around and he's on the phone. <laughs> Brady, Brady gets on the phone and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he's about to say. And then everybody's like, did you see we traded Meadows? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then he's like, hey, thanks for flying with us, but you're actually going back to the drop tomorrow. You're on the opening day roster. And I was like, cool. I've had 30 at-bats now coming into spring training. Like, 
this is sick. <laughs> um, so I, I get to spend my first month of the big league season, you know, kind of just trying to figure out what's going on, like not really necessarily super ready, but like, you know, I had enough at bats like where I could get in there and compete. Um, end up getting sent down and we really started to dissect everything, look at my swing. And then it wasn't necessarily the swing as much as it was my body was just kind of out of control. Um, I was just trying to go and get pretty much every single pitch and my hips were drifting really bad. Um, so we kind of took care of that. Um, just really sinking into my backside and, and turning instead of almost lunging at the ball. Um, and pretty much as soon as that started to happen, everything started to clean up. Um, approach started to clean up again, just even making con hard contact with the ball really started to change and I could just, you know, feel it immediately. Um, so that was, that was pretty much the big change was just to, you know, kind of sink into my backside and just turn instead of going and getting every pitch. Um, and also just going back to, to AAA for a month and a half, it helped me just kind of breathe um, and realize who I am as a player and like find that and just bring that back here and, you know, help the team win and succeed doing that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think no matter – you got it out of nowhere for sure. But the any the, your first time there, dude, I think no matter what is, is some sort of an adjustment. And some guys get it right away, but I think at some point the adjustment comes. It's just like a matter of time before yeah. it really – before it really happens. But, like, the biggest difference to me in, in the major leagues was, like, in AAA, I can get away with stuff if my swing's not, like, on point. Yep. In the big leagues, if your swing's not on point, it's really fucking hard to get, to get away with stuff because yep. guys are too good. They make less mistakes. They still make mistakes, and, you know, you still get stuff to hit and everything. But if you're missing there or you're not right on, it's uh, it's definitely a tough a tough job to – to hit some balls hard and find some holes because a hundred percent. I think the biggest thing for me has just been uh, honestly, it's just been pitch selection because you, know, you, you go up and you're not ready to hit somebody gets over a, a pitch and you're not looking for it. The next thing you know, they're going to dot two pitches and you're walking back to the out going, what the hell just happened? Like that was the fastest <laughs> at bat I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and you're, you're going back going, well, that sucks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to be ready to go. I've had, I've had a few too many of those this, this year where I'm like, man, that was, that was the quickest strike I'd ever had in my life. But uh, it happens. You just, just got to be ready to go. Can't really miss your pitch, like you said, and just, you know, just be ready to go from the jump. The nice thing about especially the Rays, like, I don't know, I just feel like they, they're so confident in their guys. Yeah. And they just are like, yeah, go do your thing. And that's that's it. Like, even when I was there for that brief time, I'm like, no, I just – I felt like I hadn't played in a game – you know, we were at the damn old site. I hadn't played in a real game in how long. And I go in there and I was like, yeah, I'm fucking ready. Like, I felt great. I, was just, I wasn't even nervous, you know, because they're just cashy and motor and all those guys are just like, yeah, go, go fucking do it. Yeah, they'll, they'll stick you in there. Um I remember my, well, my first home run 
um i was pretty much chilling in the seven hole for the most part of the season and then uh i think one day g-man and somebody else more of our lefty bats are at the top of the lineup they didn't play that game and i walk in i see him in the four hole after hitting like one for whatever <laughs> i'm like oh damn i'm in the four hole today like i gotta bring it and uh cash looks at me right before we're about to walk out to the field and he's like hey don't make me look like an idiot for putting you in the four hole today. <laughs> and, I'm, and here's me. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that sounds good, Skip. <laughs> like, whatever. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm swinging the first pitch. And sure enough, I got the first pitch and hit it out. But that was, that was pretty funny about uh, my first home run. He, he told me <laughs> that same day, don't, don't make me look like an idiot. All right. <laughs> cool. You did it, man. You, I mean, you made it. You made him look like a genius. I, I got it done. I got it done. You got it done. Dude, the best. I loved Cashy. I've never been, and you, you don't have to do this, but I've never been more nervous for anything in my baseball career than maybe my debut. More nervous than pregame fungo ground balls from him at third base. Dude, J.A., he sits there. I don't know if they still do it, but he would get flips from uh, whoever it was flipping to him. And I mean, hit the shit out of ground balls, like for real game speed. And I'd be at third base, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm so <laughs> nervous to fuck one up. And he's like, great, but it was, you talk shit if you missed it, like everything. But then you wonder why their defense is so fucking good in the infields because they're getting missiles hit at them before the game and they're just fucking ready to go. Yeah, he he hasn't been he hasn't been hitting them recently. He just got everybody else doing it, but I mean, <laughs> they still absolutely rip balls to people. I mean, you wonder why Walls is so good at defense, you know? Like, yeah, because he's getting ground balls that are one hundred and five off the bat before the game. So, like anything that's hit them, he's just a vacuum. So, Dude, it's literally worse than the game, without a, like without a doubt. I was more nervous. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera was hitting, and I was playing third base in spring training. I'm like, this is fucking way better than cash hitting ground balls to me. So, yep. There's a reason why I don't play on field anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. You know, sticking in the same kind of defense realm, you had a fantastic home run robbery. I think was that in April this year. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, that was in uh, Chicago. That was that was incredible. Like. You know, you've talked about, you know, getting your head right after getting sent down and, and you know, work trying to get, to get the bat to the point where you want it to be. But have you always felt that, like, defense, like, no matter what, is always going to be something that you can, like, fall back on and know that you're going to be, like, good out there every single time? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was kind of at the beginning of the year, like, even like I said, even though I didn't feel great going into the season in the box, um, I felt like I was most confident at first when I – stepped into the box uh really um i was like all right i know i can hit like i'm gonna compete here like that's where i felt the most comfortable and then kind of in the outfield the first time you're like looking up in the stands like wow there's three more decks than i'm used to there's a hundred more lights than i'm used to and also 10 to fifteen thousand more people yelling at me than i'm ever used to hearing um so it's that play in chicago uh it was probably 30 degrees and super sunny and windy weird windy in chicago um and he hit it and it looked like a good swing but like i thought he just hit it straight up 
So, I mean, if you watch, if you actually go and watch the video from like the overhead view of everything where you can see the field, I probably broke in the first three steps. <laughs> um, so I, I took a little banana route to that ball. I went in, took a left turn and ran straight back. And at one point, like the ball was directly over my head and I really didn't see it. Um, and then I, I felt my feet under the, or on the dirt there at the track and I just jumped and hoped for the best. And I, Ended up catching the next thing you know, KK was up in my face screaming. I was like, oh, damn, I actually caught that ball. That was sick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was that was that play. But that was, that was definitely one of the, the cooler moments so far. So cool. Like, when you go back and you, you play you play the trop, I've always, like, how long does it, like, take you to learn how to feel the ball with the white, like, roof at the trop and the catwalks and all that stuff? Like, is that something you guys take a lot of, like, work before the season, trying to, like, learn how the ball looks coming off the bat at the trop? Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much an everyday grind. Um, the times where I've thought it's been easier is when it's storming outside. So it's kind of dark on the roof or at nighttime. Um, because during the day, I mean, sometimes the sun still obviously beams down on it and makes the roof even a little more clear. Um, the hardest part is just, you can't really take your eye off the ball for too long. Like you can in a normal outdoor stadium where there's nothing behind the ball or else you'll actually lose it. And the next thing you know, it's, you have no clue where the ball is. Um, but the biggest thing for me is pretty much just during a round or two of batting practice, just going out there and shagging every day and just, you know, getting those reps in to be able to see it every single day. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's next to impossible trying to do that. So that, that's crazy. Um, one thing also I wanted to ask you about is like, you know, so many things get thrown around when it comes to you, like top prospect, like all these high accolades. And does that like, how do you stay level-headed and kind of avoid putting too much pressure on yourself when you see all this outside stuff, you know, hyping you up like that? Um, I just try really not to look at it. Um, I couldn't. I don't know. It's just, it's just something, you know, you kind of just take it. And for me, it's just adds a little more confidence to it. Like I, you know, I'm confident in myself as a player who I am. Um, and at the same time, you know, that, that helps me because that means the razor have that same sort of confidence in me. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really pay too much attention to it. Um, everybody's a good player. Everybody at this, at this level, like it, it doesn't matter. We're all major league players. Everybody's really good day in, day out. Um, so you could be the greatest prospect in the world, but if you don't come out and bring it on that same day, then, you know, what is, what is that prospect status going to do for you? Who cares? Um, so yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's just go out, compete and take care of what you're supposed to take care of. That. Brian, now that you're back, uh, I have a question for both of you guys and I'll start with Josh, but like if you had to boil the Rays organization down because they've had so much success and they're just kind of like the model franchise, it seems like, what do you think the Rays do so well that makes them as successful as they are? Uh, everybody brings something to the table that they're really good at. And I think that's something the Rays are really good at finding. Um, for instance, when it comes to pitchers, obviously, you know, everybody's got really good stuff but a lot of guys have different arm angles. So you get different looks from different guys every single night. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, everybody's got one, I would say one to two tools that they're just extremely good at. Um, you, you go through our lineup, you look at, you know, uh, 
Wander, his bat-to-ball skill is elite. Yandy, his hard-hit ball ratio, elite. G-Man's good driving, you know, just different things. Walls, his defense, elite. Phillips, like, his defense, elite. KK, all, all these different players, like, you know, uh, everybody does something that's extremely good, and I think at the same time, you know, that helps the team. But then the, the common thing between everybody is everybody's just a really good guy. Um, there's not many assholes in the clubhouse. I can't really name one at all. Um, and everybody pretty much within the race organization, they're just really good people from top to bottom. So that, that also helped a lot. I like that, Brian, what do you think? I absolutely agree with, with everything Josh just said. Um, obviously they're good at identifying talent and talent that, maybe other teams overlook or, or don't see they uh, they find, they find those guys and they, they find that value for sure. Um, and then the, the good people thing is, is, is huge because it just creates such a good atmosphere and not that other organizations don't have good people, but like the atmosphere around the Rays. And I, I said this before, it's just like, they just let you be yourself they want you to be yourself and go out there and play. Like they don't make it any bigger than it is. It's not like it's the fucking big league. It's just like, dude, you're here for a reason. Like go do what you do and like be yourself. And, you know, they just like glass now is a perfect example. Like that dude's a beast. And he's also like the goofiest guy you could ever meet. (laughs) And it's just like, when you have, a guy like that and you just see like all the personalities and they're just being themselves. Like it's just, it just makes it an easy place to be and, and do your thing. And it gives you that confidence and it gives you that kind of, you're just, you know, you're not like worrying about stuff. You're just doing what you do. That's it. It also seems like too, from the outside that like, it always seems like they're putting guys in positions to succeed. Like, I think that you're kind of like a part of like a, an outfield rotation. And I know they have like platoons and they always are swapping guys in and out. Like, do you feel that any time that like you, you get a chance to play that, like, you know, you're going to live up to your, your potential. For sure. Um, yeah. That's really big. Something the Rays do, you know, they, they put you in a spot to succeed for sure. Um, some people are like, Oh, they're trying to set me up for failure. No, it's, that's not how it is here. Um, whatever situation you're, you're thrown into here, it's almost like you've been prepared for it. You know what to expect and you just go out there and, and take care of business. Um, so, yeah. I like that. All right. As we kind of wind down here, uh, I know I just have a couple last, last things for you. Then we'll do rapid fire. Um, I, so I used to live in like the Tampa area. It's fantastic. Like, and I feel like you've kind of been in that area for a little bit now. What do you like about living in that Tampa St. Pete area? And uh, you know, what do you like to do when you're not playing? Um, I like it cause it's, you know, it's pretty much on the come up. Um, obviously Tampa has been here for a while, but at the same time, like everything is just growing rapidly. Um, and there's just, you know, it's, it's just a cool place, cool city to live. I'm over on the, the Tampa side of uh, the bridge. So I don't really explore St. Pete as much, but, um, it's just a nice area. Um, close to home for me only an hour and 20 minute drive if I want to go back on an off day sure I'll go home for uh, the all-star break you know be able to go home and sleep in my own bed can't really beat that um 
but yeah, I mean, and you're in Florida. So what else is there to complain about besides the heat and humidity? Yeah, but then you, you get to play in the trop, so it don't matter about the heat. That's right. true. That's true. All your home games are 72 degrees, with a little bit of air conditioning. Um, you know, the only time you're sweating is when you're walking from your car in the stadium. So, Dude, I'll, uh, I'll take that. I love Tampa sick, St. Pete's. And so, St. I love St. Pete because it's just like low key. Yep. It's nice to not be in like a huge city downtown somewhere, you know, like yep. traffic and all that stuff. Like New York, dude, I would play, I would play in New York, but it would not be my favorite place to play for sure. Like because of reasons like that, where you're just yeah. swamped by things like that. Tampa is not, it's not really that bad. So that's Tampa's definitely a good spot, man. Definitely and yeah, spot. dude, being that close to home is so cool. Like, that'd be so nice. Yeah, it's it's that it is really nice, and you know the family can come over whenever and watch the games too. And like I said, if I want to go home on an off day, it's so easy drive. Super easy. Yeah, I love that. All right, uh, let's do some quick rapid fire questions, then we'll let you run. Uh, so the Rays a couple years ago, they made this really, really cool social like social video about you and Nathaniel kind of living together. Uh, what is the thing that you miss the most? And one thing that you don't miss about living with your brother? <laughs> uh, the one thing I miss the most, like during the season? Yeah, or just in general. Because like, I think he said at one point that he put like dish soap in the dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> and... You know, it just it seems like it's it's a very funny pairing. You two, you guys living together. So yeah, when you think back to that, what kind of stands out? Um, I kind of miss having my golf partner. You know, if we ever wanted to go play golf, is just be like, hey, let's go play. Um, he he would obviously him and Taylor Walls were that role, but Walls has a, a baby to take care of now, so that's a little a little different for him. He can't just fill in. Um. One thing I don't miss, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have siblings? I do. I, I'm, I'm the middle. I have an older and a younger sister, so I'm catching okay. both sides. Yeah, so, so you know how that can be. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's uh, really easy to get on your, your siblings' nerves or, or, or vice versa. <laughs> so, yeah. You and Nate, never. <laughs> nah, never. I remember that is funny. I remember uh, this in the alt site, and I know he he knows this story too. He was he was going through a little rough patch. He wasn't hitting very well at, at one point. I was playing left, and uh, he was he was like searching for. He needed a hit. and He needed a barrel. And he absolutely laced the ball down the left field line, and I just ran all out and made a sick diving catch. And I thought he was going <laughs> to run to the outfield and kill me right there. <laughs> He's like, I know where you sleep. And I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. Good stuff. I love that. What? uh, So when you got drafted back in 2016 in the first round, was there one thing, like, what's your favorite thing you bought for yourself after you you got a little money? Um, My first car, my Range Rover um, that I have now given to my mom. So that's still around. Yep. Um, so that so was sweet. that was the first thing that I bought. That was that I was 
pretty proud of. Still, still, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm glad she still has it and hasn't gotten rid of it. What do you? Uh, she always she complains yeah. about the windows being too dark at night, so I'm scared she's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I can't see the windows are too thin, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you roll up to the stadium nowadays? Um, just a newer version of that. <laughs> yep. Like that. Same car, just newer version. Is there one guy on the team that like the younger guys kind of like gravitate to or go to for advice? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say there's just one guy. Um, it, you can like like we're talking about. There's no bad people in the clubhouse. You can you can go up and and ask anybody a question. Uh, for me, since I play outfield, I I usually go around KK or Philly. Um, they've both been doing it, and they're both great people and give really good advice um and they're just easy to talk to um so yeah i, I go to kk or philly for the most part i like that it, yeah i mean i looked yeah. at i looked at the roster and it's like Corey kluber is the oldest guy there and uh yeah it's does he kind of like does he play the role of like the elder statesman or is he kind of like does he still mix it up with like some of the younger guys um he has no choice but to mix it up with younger guys because if you look at our four other starters. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> they're very young compared to him. Um, but Corey, Corey's quiet. He just goes about his business, you know, like a like a vet would. Um, he's he's really good in the clubhouse, and he's also still a really good pitcher. Um, but yeah, he's he's a good dude to have around for sure. Love that. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I just picture like when there's a guy that's like ten years older than everybody else. Like I'm trying to picture him, maybe like trying to figure out what TikTok is, or trying to figure out what like <laughs> what like the what the lingo is nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, he's he's got a couple of little kids running around, so I'm sure they still keep him young. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing I've noticed that like you you have some of the coolest style out there on the field. You always have like the coolest pair of sunglasses. What do you always look for in, in like a good pair of Oakley sunglasses? Like what do you, what, what do you gravitate towards? Um. And a good pair of Oakleys. Uh, well, my agent also has uh, Lindor as a player. Um, and so when one of your players is the face of Oakley, it's kind of easy to, to choose from Oakley, I guess. Um, but me personally, I just I always just try and match the team colors and uh, whatever kind of the newest lens is out there. So I think when we're not at home obviously i'm i'm wearing the uh it's like a kind of a ice blue and silverish pair of sunglasses right now yeah every single pair is fantastic uh so every time we have a tampa bay ray on i always love to ask like justin sua we've had him on this podcast before i'm i'm a gigantic fan is there just like an interaction or a conversation that you've had with sua that kind of stands out uh every interaction that you have with Sua kind of stands out. Um, just hearing his voice will calm me down no matter where you are. Like it's, I, I don't know what, if it's just the way he talks, the way his voice sounds, or like just that kind of persona that he's built up. Like he's just, Sua is the man. Sua is the man. He is great at his job and just a, a great human, like I said, to, to have around. Um, uh, he's awesome. I, I, I can't say enough about him. He, Good dude. Good dude. Yeah, we're, we're very much a, a pro Justin Sua podcast. Uh, two more. Who's the funniest teammate on the Rays, you think? Oh, funniest teammate. 
there's a, there's just a lot of, of funny people. Uh, I don't. KK just makes me laugh. I, I don't know what it is. Just, just just something about like the way he goes about everything. Sometimes he just like it may not even be something that he says, or it's just like what he does sometimes. But like his little side comments, they just they make me laugh. <laughs> Love that. All right. Last question is uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, baseball does not define who you are. It's just what you do. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of times as athletes, we like to get caught up in our sport. Um, but at the same time, when you look back at all of this, this is just a, you know, a time in your life that you're just dedicating to, to your job. Um, you know, don't let it take you too high. Don't let it take you too low. Yeah. It's, it's just a game. Go out and have fun. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. I really appreciate it. Dude. It was great catching up with you, man. I'm following you out here, checking on you all the time. So like we said, Nate really took off and hit some homers after this. So, I'm not putting any now pressure on you because now you're go. a beast, but now we, now we go. So you got some homers coming your way. So just, just let it happen is all I'm saying. Just, just let it happen. It's time to go. And yeah. also I, 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 I went on a pretty good tear after Nate was on too. So hopefully you bring some of that back to me too. The good. low, the low magic will, will come to Japan hey, for me. That's all we need. That's all we need. A little low magic. <laughs> And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. No.